0: Welcome to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini, the podcast where we meet the extraordinary talents, both on stage and off, working at Opera Australia. These conversations were all originally filmed for our streaming service, OATV. You can find more online at tv.opera.org.au, as well as full productions and behind the scenes footage. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to OATV. And my very special guest, Gary Alcorn. Gary's a stage manager with Opera Australia and has been for a number of years. So we're going to find out a little bit more about what it means to be a stage manager and also some interesting um, parts to uh, Gary's life and uh, a very special thing that he uh, that he does. Gary, welcome.
1: Special things. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lyndon. <laughs> Privilege.
0: So, so, Gary, you want to talk a little bit about being a stage manager with Opera Australia. And, uh, well, the sort of pressure that there is in the stage management's corner every night when we have a show on.
1: Absolutely. Um, If you can't notice, if this is not high definition, premature greying (laughs) naturally occurs with stage management. So um, basically what a stage manager does, on an opera especially, is it's kind of like flying a ship. Mm. A a plane, if you say, um, and trying to land it in the dark, in the rain, and and hoping for the best at all times. Yeah. So we are in charge of all operations on stage. When you see a light change, a stage manager is telling lighting people to do that. Mm. When a scenic element moves, something turns, a stage manager is telling the mechanist crew or the crew to do that. And every time someone enters the stage and sings a wonderful aria, a stage manager is off there. Or with, even one line. Or one line, which is equally as important. There yeah. are no small roles, yeah. Lyndon. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, there's always a stage manager on the other side holding a glass of water with a tissue over it. Mm-hmm. To, so when they come off during their rapturous applause, they have a sip of water and then the stage manager disposes of that discreetly.
0: Yeah. So how many cues would you call during um, a show, do you
1: think? Well, it can vary quite a lot. And some of our busiest shows, there can be several, I would say up to 10 or 12 cues. you know, within 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Mm a sequence. Mm. So when you see things doing up, down, round, that can be quite complex. Yeah. So in a normal show or like in the Magic Flute, say, there'd be over 400, 500 cues within yeah. an hour and a half.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, to explain to our, our viewers, uh, you have a score, but it's a stage management score. So you have um, pages that you can write on and so on um, because um, you're queuing Well, if there's sound, the sound uh, operator, lighting, and so on. So do you want to just give us an idea about how you set that uh, score out and how you uh, notate all those
1: different cues? Absolutely. So how it operates is we have a piano vocal score reduction of the whole opera, uh, which can take up one book to all the glorious ring cycle, 15 books. Yeah. Um, And so we have a blank page and one with the actual music so we follow the music and then on the blank page, we will write all the lighting cues. So it'll be a lighting cue number five, and then a go tells the person on the other end of your headsets to action that. Hmm. And that applies to every department. So you, so you write it all in sequence and follow the music. And at that particular note, in between the semiquaver and the demi-semiquaver, you don't breathe. You just say go, and suddenly magic happens on stage. Yeah.
0: So clearly, it's very important for stage managers in opera to be able to read music. So, did you study music at school, or, or how did that come? If about? you
1: can't, yeah. If you can't tell, I'm about to whip out the clarinet at the end of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I have no reeds, and when you know, got to be COVID-safe with instruments that blow <laughs> things these days. Yeah. Um, so I literally started like singing in a choir in year two. I remember Mm -hmm. the first time my music teacher ever came into, um, our classroom. She was brand new to the school Mm -hmm. and she sat down and played Yellow Bird. Mm -hmm. um, which then we performed in the first of Steadford in Mwoolumbar. Our first one, I remember the two songs we sang in year three, My Little Boat and Tiddalik the Big Green Frog. (laughs) Um, remember all the words to those. And then I, yeah, so I played clarinet for all the way through, did my high school certificate in um, music three Mm -hmm. at that what it was called at that age, Mm. back in the day.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, so, and then uh, went on and studied technical production at Queensland University of Technology, Mm -hmm. the university for the real world. Yeah. And there found out that music reading was a thing. Who knew?
0: Yeah. Yeah, but um, did you have any aspirations about being a performer, or or did you always want to work backstage?
1: I was a fantastically poor performer, <laughs>
0: Ex-
1: excellent at being average, um, but I was a, a yes. And in year t- um, in year twelve, I like I was in the top two percent of drama as well. Mm-hmm. So I did. I was actually a prolific performer at school. Yeah, um, I'm sure my colleagues. Uh, recognise that in the way I act daily (laughs) Um, but yeah, so like oh yeah, so I literally did performing all the way through high school especially, performed in glorious musicals, most of it which have been in the Opera Australia repertoire within the last ten years. And I was devastated when Fiddler fell through because I was like, oh no, I was in that in year eight. <laughs> and also toured nationally with it with Topol. Oh. So wow. yeah, as a stage manager. So, oh, fantastic. Um, you know, it has like and Sweeney Todd we did at school, yeah. I got killed three times. <laughs> Amazing. Finally as um, as Fogg, the owner of the asylum, yeah. yeah, one of my most memorable moments, <laughs> um, and then finally finishing um, singing in, I was the baker in Into the Woods in year 12. Oh, terrific. That was the, the end of my turbulent career in um, performing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned Mwoolanbar briefly and mm. that's where you come from. Were you born in Mwoolanbar or?
1: Born, or? bred, raised, dressed. Yeah like Mwollomba. And
0: and it's um, clearly very important to you because, um, as our viewers know, we have um, a tour nationally uh, that we take out on the road, we have a hot tour and a cold tour, and uh, so we go to different places. And you put your hand up and said you would like uh, Opera Australia to go to Mwollomba, and you went guarantor for the performances. That's an extraordinary thing to do, I mean it's it's unheard of really. Um, So how did that come about? What motivated you to want to do that?
1: I'd like to say that Sobriety had a play in it. <laughs> However, it did not. <laughs> and I was in a, a informal conversation, as yeah. one might say, with uh, the, the producer at the time mm-hmm. for Opera Australia. And we're at an opening night function and I was talking about Muralumbah or Merbah, as the local lingo says. Mm-hmm. And just saying, oh God, wouldn't it be great if we could go to Merbah, it'd be awesome and then you know that led to a phone call the next week Mm. i just had some you know all my savings sitting around not doing anything and then um six months later i'd managed to actually find someone in Bar to speak to about um renting out the local uh civic center and then we were on we were game on i was investing every cent i had in my account into personally paying for this production to come mm. to Bar,
0: And let's be clear about it. This is $16,000, 17000 Keep going. And, well, how much, how much did... Wh-
1: I think year one mm. was with... Because, you, like, once you get into venue hire yeah. and... Oh, of course, yeah. I, I yeah. provided or I bought all the booze and all the... Yeah. I mean, and all the refreshments, <laughs> one might say... <laughs> Um, and organised for all the people to sell that and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Plus I did all the ticketing myself and was I had a second phone like a like a little secret agent. So I'd be at work just about to call a show and I'd be speaking to an old lady in Moulombar going, <laughs> yes, I can get you two tickets to the night, absolutely. Now I can give you this row, is that okay? So, you know, I was like... All like that for months on end, mm. um, selling over 500 tickets my, personally, yeah. myself. Um, it's a fantastic thing to do. And mm. I mean, you know, where
0: you're making it sound funny and all the rest of it, but <laughs> nevertheless, it was a massive commitment. Yeah. And um, really putting your hand in your pocket to support um, people in Moorwoolambar War- and ensuring mm. that Opera Australia could go there. So it's um, it's an extraordinary thing to do and, you know, I want to compliment you on thank it and you. thank you for it because um, it's unheard of for people to do that.
1: And also, like, you know, the one of the whole driving factors was actually the children's in- involvement mm, in that. The children's chorus. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. what an amazing opportunity for our local kids as yeah, well. Yeah, um, Because the music teacher, my primary school music teacher, was actually the... Um, the chorus leader for that tour and the subsequent tour as Mm. well. Um, So she she was the one that taught me when I was in year two and now she's teaching these kids and I got to bring this to her and her schools. So it's amazing.
0: And it's a wonderful thing to give back to that community. Absolutely. They should erect a statue for you in the, in the main street. Yeah, at
1: least two. (laughs) Yeah, please. (laughs) One of every side.
0: (laughs) So getting back to your day job, Mm. um, what's what are your favorite pieces you know it's we do a lot of operas we do musicals and we do the ring cycle and everything else and we do we tour uh, around the country mm. so uh, do you have a favorite that you, you like doing
1: I do and I'm Debo because uh, last or this year on Jaegen yeah oh yeah amazing
0: it's a wonderful piece what, yeah. a, what a great yeah. piece and that's right we had it scheduled for this year yeah. But um, like a lot of other things unfortunately we couldn't do it yeah but we'll do it in the future
1: yeah it's it, musically just like you know oh, for it's me gorgeous. it's o- outside of anything else yeah a yeah. whole different realm um but yeah so like yeah so that that is my that's my favorite opera currently oh. but still working through the repertoire as one does yeah, yeah. Um, with Erna, Ernani coming yep, up exactly, um, which yep. is pretty exciting I yeah. listened to yeah. that the other day yeah It's fantastic, isn't it? Yep, I'm partially deaf (laughs) from listening to it in my headphones, so that's always an exciting thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gary, it's been great speaking to you today. Thank you. And um, we appreciate what you do for the company enormously and also what you're doing outside the company when giving back to the community in Mooroomba in particular. So thank you and uh, we'll see you at the next show.
1: Thank you, Lyndon. Pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to In Conversation with Lyndon Terracini. We hope you've enjoyed the chat and we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. That way, you'll get each new episode as they're released. We also hope to see you in the theatre in the not-too-distant future. And you can stay up to date with all we've got going on at opera.org.au.